Hello folks, it's Mike here from the North Riverside Library, and on this week's episode of the Tech Team Podcast, we're talking about a topic that seems to dominate the conversation on the internet more and more lately, and that is cancel culture. Join us as we try to figure out what it is and why it seems to get people so riled up. We've got all that, plus the Makerspace Minute, and some fiery rhetoric about the weather from Sarah, and another quality rant about e-learning from Marla. Let's go! I thought uh, in, in honor of Sarah, we could start off the show with a little little weather minute. You guys want to talk about the weather? <laughs> no! no. <laughs> Everyone's talking about the weather. I know! I had a feeling you might have had some conversations recently with people about the weather. It is the topic on the tips of everyone's lips, and I know Sarah loves it so much. I hate talking about the weather with people. It's so annoying. I don't think I have had a single conversation with anyone over the last two weeks that hasn't started with the weather. I I call my parents every week. They're down in Memphis. The first thing they said was, oh, my God, we've got six inches of snow down here. And I'm like, you think that's something? Where do you hear about what we got up here? Ugh. Our 17.7 inches at Midway. Yes. On top and, of the 16 inches from the last two weeks. And not just the snow, but how about how about how cold it is? Have you heard? It's really cold out there. You have the same conversations over and over again all day. You answer <laughs> the same questions. You uh, respond in the same exact way to the same exact impetus every yeah, single day. Yeah. So all like it's fine to have conversations about the weather, I guess. If they're novel conversations and maybe progressing off of older conversations. But when every day they're just like, oh, a lot of snow. What am I supposed to say to that? You know, over and over and over and over again. What am I supposed to say to that? Yeah, there's a lot of snow out there. <laughs> Schools are closed. Everything's closed. Well, hold that thought. I'm going to circle back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on from the weather, I want to put out a challenge. How about this? Everybody, just say something nice about the weather. One thing. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody. I got got nothing. It's pretty. It's when you're inside and you're not shoveling or driving. It's real pretty. It is. If you're not having to deal with it, yeah. I would. I would say. uh, I feel like. I feel like the air is cleaner after it snows. Does anybody else feel that way? Yeah, totally. It just feels fresher. Crisp. Crisp, right? Like, I'm out there and I'm like, man, this stinks that I'm having to, like, walk through the snow in these heavy boots. But this oxygen is mad crisp. Mad crisp. (laughs) This oxygen slaps. (laughs) Uh, But enough about the weather. Um, Let's talk about... um, E-learning. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you said the school was canceled again. That's a real shame, Marla. Um, uh, how are you holding up? Well, I had a meeting with Lizzie at 12.30, and I asked her if it was too early to start drinking. <laughs> it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Well, she said I had to wait until the meeting was over. <laughs> but, then, but then I realized we had the podcast, so I did not indulge. Do the, the put the wine in the coffee mug trick. Like, how's yeah. she going? 
No, it's horrible. And, like, normally when they, like, they did remote learning the week after Thanksgiving because they didn't know who was going to be traveling where. And they did an e-learning day a couple weeks ago because of the weather. And, like, that was okay because they prepared for it. So they sent the kids home with stuff. But, like, this time they were off Friday and they were off yesterday for President's Day. So they already had a four-day weekend. Um, So when they decided to close school for the weather, like, none of the kids had any of their books or anything. So I don't even know what they were doing on Zoom. But my kindergartner, he just doesn't sit. Like, he won't sit there at a computer and, like, listen. (laughs) And, like, I can't blame him. Like, I don't even care. I'm just, like, just sit there and draw. I'm, like, just (laughs) at least be there. At least be present. Like, I don't even care if you're listening to her. Just at least let her see you so that she can count that you're there. Right. (laughs) It's just, it's it's a pain. And, like, they wanted to do e-learning with my three-year-old this morning for an hour. And I was like, I have meetings and the other kids are like, their e-learning is more important. No. <laughs> I just pretty much told them no. Like, I'm not going to stress myself out doing that. <laughs> I want this year to be over. Yes, uh, I'm sure that you do. This, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this this, uh, this Medium blog post was going around. Um, it's called uh, A Progressive Parent's Rant About the Politics surrounding school reopening and it's written by this this woman who's a phd and i think she lives in uh in like california and they're being very uh slow to reopen schools and she's freaking out about it it's, uh, it's pretty good and i i just kept hearing it like in in marla's voice um <laughs> when i was reading it because she's like she's trying to toss out all of the scientific data and stuff about why the school should reopen but it's pretty clear that just Behind that, she just wants to get the kids out of the house. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, our school is one of the three districts in the state that has been open for hybrid learning this entire time, this entire school year. Um, One of the three districts. And so I'm like other districts were looking at our district to see like what's been working and uh, what, you know, how have we stayed open? And I feel like their school is taking all the precautions. But, like, now that other schools are starting to go back, other schools are going back for, like, three quarters of the day. And, like, they have bus service. And the school we're in usually does have bus service, but they don't because of COVID. And, like, because we've been open this whole time, they're only – they only go, like, two hours. We're, like – the other schools, because they waited to open so long, their kids go, like, four hours, and they have buses now. And, like, I almost feel like I got the short end of the stick because we did open sooner. So, like, now we're stuck in this crappy model until next year. <laughs> so you're just, like, you're just staying tuned to the news every day, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I feel like they're taking all the precautions. I get it, but... And, like, I'm kind of reading this blog, and, like, she's right. Like, my fourth grader, he started at a new school this year. So, like, it was already challenging for him to start a new school in the midst of all of this. And, like, we're having his little birthday party. It's not really a party. We're just, like, going to this rock climbing place. 
And I'm like, you can bring one friend. And I thought he was going to pick somebody from his new school, but he picked someone from, like, two schools ago. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, like, I felt so bad. Like, he hasn't, like, made deep connections at this school yet because they go for two lousy hours. And how are you supposed to make friends in this kind of climate? I guess I could see that. So, like, he's, like, sad, too, and it makes me sad. Well, hang in there, Myla. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Well, let's get on to the real business of today. I felt like it was time for us to get around to addressing the hottest topic that's been sweeping the country for, seems like, years now, which is cancel culture. You guys ready to talk about some cancel culture? Cautiously, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, without while trying not to get canceled ourselves. Exactly. Um, maybe um, maybe we can start this with a little explain it to Mike. Does someone want to take a stab at just telling me what cancel culture actually is? It's all you, Sarah. It, why is it all me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the you're the youngest. You're the like true millennial here. Um, I guess cancel culture is just sort of like a form of um, holding, I guess, a form of, of retribution for past mistakes that have a lot of present day, like real world or online um, consequences for the party being canceled. So it's like a process that the public holds typically figures of power, but sometimes or maybe oftentimes uh, lesser authority figures in the public eye um, that holds them to sort of ostracize them from opportunities and their platform as a sort of punishment for past mistakes, I guess. that's a, It's, it's kind of convoluted in of itself, so it's hard to describe. No, I don't I think that sounds, that sounds about right. Um, how does this, you know, like, we call it cancel culture. Now, I am older than you guys, but I'm, I remember back in my day, they didn't call it canceling, but there was definitely, um, there were definitely like always boycotts. They just called them boycotts. It'd be like some somebody would have some scandal and then there'd be like this organized thing like this person doesn't, we don't want this company to be represented by this person anymore because they did something that we all don't like. And so people would organize like a boycott against that company's product. or whatever. And then when the pressure was too intense, the company would like, usually drop that person we didn't call it canceling we called it boycotts how is this like different from that or is it different well I don't know if it's it doesn't sound different from what you're describing I just think that it's probably happening to a greater extent because more of what we do as humans is being documented all the time we're self-documentating documentating that's not a word is that a word documenting self-documenting there you go um And more and more of our lives are lived at the mercy of these social media platforms. So it's, um, I think, happening in a much more frequent and public way now. I mean, there's always, it feels like somebody's getting canceled every day sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like um, maybe we are more like we, geez, how do I want to say this? Like, we're not willing to let so much slide anymore because we're not like fearful of the media or the industry. Like we're more willing to 
push against, you know, like big media and like big conglomerates and you, like we're we're not like scared anymore and like just willing to like sit around and be like, "Oh, like I'm offended, but I'm just going to sit here and let it go because, you know, that person's way more famous and I'm just little old me." Like we realize like when you get a group of people together who all feel strongly about something, you can make changes. It all sounds in a way like why 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 do you think there's so much there's so much pushback it seems like the um the the voices that are that get angry about the so-called cancel culture are are almost as strong as the actual voices that participate in the so-called cancel culture if that makes sense why do you think there's so much pushback against it right now we hear and not to be like political but it does seem to be like the more conservative end of the spectrum gets very angry about the whole notion of canceling but yet i feel like like i was talking about boycott that seems like kind of a very american concept i mean just the idea of like voting with your dollar you know is is uh, just like a very american notion from uh, from from way back so why do you think there's so much like anger and pushback against it i think people well, I- are blurred by party lines like i feel that people don't understand that they can be moderate that they can feel different ways that they don't always have to be like oh like you know my republican friends feel this way so like i have to also feel that way even though they might not like they're very blurred by party lines I also think that the process of cancellation can happen sometimes in such a quick, overwhelming and aggressive way that um, I understand to some extent why some people can maybe from an outside perspective, look at it as a sort of chaotic and uncontrollable process that needs to be um, that needs to be checked before it it takes over culture. Uh, But I think with mm, people talking more about accountability culture rather than cancel culture i feel like the 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 tide is is settling itself you know um i think people who are who have been at the helm of stuff like me too and and stuff like that are more interested in getting real accountability from the people that they're trying to quote unquote cancel these days than um just letting it happen as a free-for-all the way that maybe some more conservative news media outlets have described it yeah, and if if they're not following a person, so like if they're not a fan of somebody normally who is getting quote unquote canceled and all of a sudden they're standing up for them being like, oh, this person did one wrong thing. They shouldn't be canceled. It's like, well, why don't we go in and see like what else they've done and like to get to this point? So one example is like Morgan Wallen. He's a country singer. Um, he's recently been pretty much canceled um, for using the N-word, um, which is obviously a big no-no. He got caught on camera saying it. I don't know if he was drunk or what, but everybody's going off about like freedom of speech and this and that. But like late last year, he was also at like a bunch of Nashville bars, like making out with girls during like COVID and just doing a bunch of, like, no-no COVID things, and 
he's admitted that he has like alcohol problems and like he has a new baby at home but like he's never at home and he's just not a very good person it seems and but he's not getting help for it even though he's admitted that like he has problems so like everybody's like defending him because they're like oh like he said one slur like he you know freedom of speech and it's like even if you feel like that like let's go back and look at everything he's done leading up to here like this is why the industry is canceling him because this was the cherry on top like he he is no longer good for this label's image so this label is dropping him he needs to go get help i think also we give a disproportionate amount of power and uh, wealth to some people in some privileged positions. And it's not, it doesn't seem to me to be crazy to um, want as a public or a mass to want to have some checks and balances on that power. Um, And if using social media to dig up old tweets, the way people joke about, or uh, look at what, so certain people in power have been sharing and, you know, hold them accountable for that. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, am I a total fan of methods used sometimes? Not always. But, you know, we do give up too much power to these people. And it's not crazy to want to have a check on that power. Do you think that some some of the people who get angry about this and who, who like to throw out the free speech justification do you think that comes from a place of just not wanting to be not wanting to be criticized, feeling like they should be immune from criticism as a person with a, a like a public platform? Freedom of speech protects you from the government. It doesn't protect you from the media industry. It doesn't protect you from social media. And like social media is not a government platform until, you know, politicians turned it into one. And eventually that will kind of have to be looked at. But as of now, like, there is no freedom of speech that protects people from being, like, retaining employment by, say, like, a record label or a talent agency or anything like that. Oh, sure. I agree with that. Totally. <laughs> that that makes total sense to me. But, yeah, well, I'm um, saying, like, when people are like, oh, like, you know, we're, like, we're violating freedom of speech by not letting these people, you know, say this or say that. It's like, but that's not what freedom of speech is about. Like, I don't think they're understanding the First Amendment when they're throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can, you, can, you can feel free to go, like, stand on the sidewalk and say whatever you want um but that's basically the extent of it (laughs) guaranteed that like literally anywhere else yeah also on nowhere in the constitution or any other document does it entitle anyone to a platform you can say whatever you want but that doesn't mean anyone has to listen so if everyone wants to make a mass exit from a situation where you're saying things that they don't want to hear or they don't deem uh listenable too bad. The, the, nothing protects you from that. You have every right to say it, but you can say it in a room by yourself. Well said, Sarah. I'm understanding this better now. But one thing that confuses me a little bit is how far back people are willing to go in their quest to cancel people. I, I say this right now because uh, there was this whole Britney Spears documentary that came out. Poor Britney. Um, 
free, Brittany. And we're all we're all fans of Britney Spears here on the show. But um, people were um, trying to like retroactively cancel people who uh, were not, I guess, portrayed in a positive light in that documentary. Like um, Justin Timberlake was in some hot water. Um, who's the 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 woman from the news? Um, Diane Sawyer, I think, is her name. Mm-hmm. Where and they're like, look, she wasn't treating Britney Spears nicely back in 2003, and it's like. Really, we're gonna <laughs> go back to to that. First of all, how when did when did we get to a place where people even remember that? Like when I was like a teenager in the '90s, I could not care less about like what Walter Cronkite said about you know Cher or something in 1978. Like that was just like <laughs> completely off the radar. I would have been like, first of all, who are those people you're talking about, and why does anyone care? <laughs> But like we don't let things go now. What what's the deal with that? That's tricky because we've evolved, especially for like that documentary. Like there was so many mental health issues going on, and that we didn't recognize mental health the way we do today back then. And like as far as statute of limitations, like if you watch like God like movies from even like like the 80s or even before then you know there's so many racist jokes sexist jokes and like people will argue whether whether that's comedy or not you know and people are like oh like people used to have thicker skin back then they didn't get so offended it's like like I don't have an answer either because that's what I think about when you watch like older movies and shows like that and you're like wow that joke didn't age very well because like that would never fly today like how like and who do you hold accountable for that you know well I think I think the issue you're talking about here is like an issue that people generally have with my generation and younger than me the the zoomers and the gen z whatever they call them um that we're too sensitive but i think that a sensitive culture exists because it's a reaction to a a hyper unsensitive culture and um if the past was so i mean i'm sure people were offended at jokes made in the 20 knots or whatever about um that were racist or sexist but like no one had the platform to say that. And if you did say that, you would be considered socially kind of weird for feeling that way. So um, now that more people have a voice and we are coming directly from a time that was hyper, un- hyperly unsensitive in its culture, I think it's kind of natural to the pendulum to swing that far in the other direction. There doesn't mean That doesn't mean that there won't be some equilibrium eventually further along. That takes people who are you know, mature and and handling these processes maturely in, in their everyday lives to sort of quell that. But, um, yeah, what was I saying? I think I finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated, right? It's, it's complicated, to be sure. What a hot topic, folks. It's a, it's I, a uh, sensitive topic. It's very hot in the streets right now. And uh, um, I don't think we can sort through all of it here, but. But I think we each have our own personal strategy for how to move forward. And I think that, like, I always try, no matter what is said, to listen to victims, to use my spending power and my um, my attention economically 
um, in ways that reflect what I value. Does it mean that I go online and I make death threats to people and I contribute to chaos and negativity? No, but I will listen to victims and I will um, try to take the word of the marginalized seriously in situations where they're saying that, that they're being marginalized. And it's not that hard. It's not that complicated, you know? Well said, Sarah. That is well said. Personal values and personal responsibility. Who can who can argue with, with that? Well, yeah, I just feel like with something as chaotic as cancel culture, the only way out or through is following your heart and your gut, you know? Here, here. Well, I guess uh, it's as good a as good a time as any, if you're ready, Marla, for the Makerspace Minute. I am ready. I just got back. I had to throw my kid an apple. <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear some screaming on the podcast, it's just children <laughs> who want to come in the room, and I'm trying to like hide out. Uh, we um, know you're doing your e-learning is fun. <laughs> well, thankfully they're done e-learning for the day, but now it's just regular mom time. Um, as far as the Makerspace Minute goes, I just posted one yesterday, and unfortunately it had some sound issues, so then it was embarrassing because I posted a Makerspace Monday, and when I like went back to watch it after it was published on Facebook, it was just background music and my mouth was moving, but there was no sound, so that's how I posted that, so I had to go in and fix all that, but... um. I brought Cricket back to the basics and, like, went full-on teacher, you know, when, like, teachers used to cut out letters and shapes for their bulletin boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's where I went yesterday, back to the basics and kind of, like, back to my – I'm doing, like, a stencil theme, I think I told you. Yeah, So I, I showed everybody how you basically just make stencils that way. But um, I'm going to be making these doormats. Um, So I'm going to show, you know, like the brown, like grassy kind of doormats that you, that go outside of your door and they Mm -hmm. have like cool sayings on them. Well, I'm going to show everybody how they can make their own um, with like whatever saying or shape or like their last name or their monogram or whatever they want to put on it by using the Cricut to make like their own uh, doormat stencil. Really? Yeah. So that's probably going to be my favorite project so far for Makerspace Mondays um, and hopefully it works because I've never made one yet <laughs> so it's going to be a learning experience for me and the audience and it's going to be great. That sounds pretty good. Yeah I'm excited. Thanks Marla. Thanks Mike. So uh, before we get to the recommendations hey did you guys see did you guys see that Super Bowl? I have some pieces. <laughs> I'm a Tom Brady fan. Don't cancel yeah. me. Well uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest game, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've been working on some of my uh, Mike Leno jokes, so I'm going to try out some material on you guys. Um, so let's get into it. So uh, you guys see that Super Bowl, huh? Um, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 31 to 9. Buccaneers, as Marla said, were led by their 43-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady. And this was Brady's seventh Super Bowl win. Can you believe that? Seven Super Bowls, 43 years old. I mean, I've heard of old man winner, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, but seriously, folks, 
it is true that I'm a big football fan, as you all know. So I am a little bit sad now that the season is over. In fact, when people ask me if I miss football, I say, I don't miss football. I misses football because I'm married to the game. Nice. Disgusting. (laughs) Rank. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Now, um, before we get out of here, anybody got any uh, recommendations for the audience this week? Uh, Yeah, actually. So... I know that we have the library edition of Ancestry on our databases. So my boyfriend's grandpa recently passed away and he wanted to learn more about his immigration um, from Ireland. So I was like, oh, well, you know, like we have this Ancestry package at the library. Like, let's log in and see what we can find. And oh, my goodness. Um it's really, really amazing. My mom and I bought like a subscription to Ancestry a few years ago, um, but this blew it out of the water. We found like a picture of the boat that he came on. We found his um, his immigration records, his military um, like draft papers, his or discharge papers, um, and then we went in and like started looking up my family. And they have, like, school yearbooks. We found my mom's senior year, like, yearbook picture, and I sent it to her, and she started crying because her stepmom never bought her a yearbook her senior year. So my mom has never seen the picture. And, like, there's just so much you can do on it, and it's all free with your library card. So I really just wanted to, like, throw it out there because we can't get rid of it. I, that, that's a good recommendation. I think uh, a lot of people might not be aware that we have that through the library. You can find it on our website on the digital library page. And um, it's especially good right now because normally the, the library version of Ancestry will require you to use it from inside the library. But because of the pandemic situation, they've made it available um, to everyone, even from outside the library. So you can use it from home, um, which of course is really helpful right now so yeah that's a good recommendation how about you sarah you got anything um i just read a great book well yeah it was pretty great uh it's called of love and shadows by isabella yende it was fantastic um i think it's available at our library it had it was written in like the 80s or something like that so it had some trigger warning content that i will say you know if you're thinking of getting into that one um be careful there is some not so great stuff that happens in that book um but as like on the level of plot and character it was a thrilling read i tore through it it was really good all right the recommendation section would never be complete unless sarah recommended a very literary book (laughs) (laughs) um i will throw out one recommendation um my one of my favorite uh, sports movies from 1993, The Program, recently popped up on Hoopla. This is a a great a great rewatchable sports movie about the um, a gritty look inside the workings of a college football team and the corruption there. Um, fantastic! Check out the program on Hoopla, and it helps me get my football fixed now that the season is over. 
I think that that is where we can end things for this week. Until next time, Sarah. Um. Keep it spicy. <laughs> I had to remember it. Sorry. I have to keep that pause in there. And uh, uh, <laughs> um, that's all, folks. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all I got, Mike. Uh, all right. Well, I will leave you with a quote from the Super Bowl winning coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, who is fond of saying, "No risk it." No biscuit. What does that even mean? <laughs> you don't risk it, you don't get the biscuit. <laughs> oh, biscuit. Okay. <laughs> yes. Words to live by, folks.